Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of Towards Vivencia, the podcast. In this second season, Bridging the Gap. In this second season, we are bridging the gap between some of the top dance companies in the whole world and our community. Towards Vivencia will be collaborating with dancers who are or have been working with the greatest choreographers and companies of the 20th and 21st century. These incredible artists bring these incredible works and performances to life, and they have generously offered to share how they train in order to do so. Their personal approaches to the company's technical style, cross-training for both body and mind, and staying creatively inspired. All this and more will provide a unique insight into how these dancers work, how they work within these companies, and how they bridge the gap between their previous training and what is required to work with those companies. Here we go with the second live interview, this time with Gabi Serrani. Guys, you are up for a treat. She is someone who is extremely, deeply playful, but at the same time, Everything that she's saying is incredibly meaningful and really profound in a way that every time that she speaks, everything it makes sense. But sometimes when you think afterwards about what we've been talking about, it is like bloody hell. That was incredibly spot on. So once again, excuse us if the sound quality is not as good as this one that you are listening to but that gives us also the possibility for many people to join the conversation live. So keep an eye on our Instagram and join the next conversations over the next few weeks. Today we have a Chilean dance artist formed in the UK, flying low, passing through practitioner and also a Towards Juventia future trainer. With all of us, Gabi Serrani. <laughs> really excited because it's the very first time that I think it's the very first time that we have a teacher from South America teaching um, here. Normally we have more Europeans, we had American as well, we have South African, we had uh, Indian, but I think you are the very first one who are coming from South America. Exactly. So it was about time. So I'm going to dive in. Tell us a tiny bit more about David Zambrano, Fly Low. How, how did you get connected to that world in the first instance? Yeah. So the first thing I was like connected to Flying Low was with Leila Macmillan in London. So I did my studies at uh, Trinity Laban. And when I was in Laban, I started to take class with Leila. I think it was in GDA. So it was like open classes. Um, and I don't know, like I think Flying Low, it was also, it was like very suitable for my body somehow. Like my body felt like really good doing it. Uh, so I was like taking more and more class, um, just following Leila, whatever she was. I was like, this is my thing. I want to learn it. Before we continue, um, tell us a little bit more about why it suits your body. What is the sensation? What is the feeling when you do it? I don't know. I think it's, I think there's something really like maybe South American about it. It's like Latin America because David made it. I think there is something about like Latin America in the technique. Um, I don't know what that means exactly, but I think this background in salsa, maybe, or this connection with the floor, uh, 
just a kind of movement. I think it was very, it felt like something really natural. So it wasn't, I don't know, like Cunningham. I could say it's not like very South American. I don't know, like. Um, it's very American. Yeah, I mean, very, some, yes. It, yeah, yeah so there is the something about the, there is something about the culture there that is maybe like really explicit, uh, but you can feel it. So there was a really nice feeling to it while doing it. Also, I felt that I wasn't hurting my body and that was super nice. It was like sometimes I would across some techniques that they were like on the floor or floor, like, but really aggressive, like uh, hitting your knees with the floor or they like really nice movements. Like they look amazing, but I didn't feel they were like safe. So it was also, there was also, also something about safety that really kind of uh, got my attention, I think. So, sorry, I stopped you there and, and I totally agree about the safety and about the culture because uh, the little things that I've done uh, with David, um, it, was, it felt very safe. And because I was uh, um, introduced to it in Belgium where there is the other kind of flow work that it goes, it's very aggressive. Yeah. And, and I love to see Vim van de Cable's work and Ultima Bet. But as soon as I start taking yeah. workshops with them, it's like, you know what, I really like my body. I don't want to destroy it. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I really want to, to see it from the theater. I'm not going to be on a stage. So I stopped you there that you were telling that you met Leila in London and then you start getting into yeah. it. So how did you dive deeper into the world? of? Yeah. So after taking some classes with uh, Leila, um, I got like to take some classes with David. So I went to the first time I went with him was in, I think it was Madrid for 10 days and then I went to Belgium for another 10 days and like literally just like following him um, and then uh, I went to Athens for another 10 days so every time I would like take classes with David and then come back to London I was in London at that time still without teaching I was just taking it as a practitioner and then going back to London with Leila going back with David and the last time I mean one before the last one, it, the time that I was with a longer period with David was when I went to Thailand. So they did this course in Thailand that it was called Integro, and that it was Vangelis who was organizing it. Um, so it was a whole month, mm. and that was really like very decisive. Decisive? Do you say that? Like it decisive, was uh, like yeah. the moment decisive. Yeah, that was the moment where I uh, decided to teach after after that kind of month, whole month with David, because that's the moment where I thought like I had the technique more in the body and I could like was ready to share it somehow. Never like, I wasn't an expert. I didn't consider myself an expert, but I had something to give. So that was the moment I, I was like, now I can teach. So that was um, yeah. because I was not familiar with the the course that he, he did in Thailand. It's similar to the 50 days that he did. Uh, Leila, I think, was part of it. Hannes was as well. Yeah, somehow it's different uh, because of it, uh, he did these 50 days in Costa Rica and then he did uh, this ex-scene, which were like also like a long time with him. Uh, but the difference with Integro is that Integro was a mix of you had Qigong in the morning then you had a flying low and pass it through with David. And then in the afternoon, you had a Thai massage and sacrocranial. So it was different because it was like a whole um, series of like practices. And they kind of came together in this month. 
Nice. Uh, and it was really nice because it was um, what I really remember from that month uh, with all that people uh, is that it wasn't like uh, very competitive or it wasn't like the best people in the world or it wasn't like, uh, I don't know, like, uh, yeah, it felt like really people who were from all over the world, like India, Chile, uh, but they were like interested on this like um, kind of connection between all these practices, Qigong and uh, Thai massage and flying low. So yeah, that's that was the course. Thank you for clarifying because I was not sure about that practice. So for those people who are not very familiar and I don't really know if I could put my finger in what's the difference, tell us a little bit about the difference between flying low, passing through, why there are two different yeah. names. Um, so flying low, uh, I think it's the vocabulary that we use. It's called flying low. And flying low is a, it's a series of exercise that in this exercise, you go in and out of the floor in different ways. Uh, there's always energy that you gather energy and you send energy. And in a way, it's always the same, but it's always different. So there's always the same that you always gather and you always send, but there's how many different ways can the body has to send and gather. Um, that's flying low. Uh, and that's, they are like exercise that you repeat and repeat again and again. Uh, and it's a way of training, really. It's training your body, training uh, perception, training how you look around. Um, it's very specific. It's a language. It's not like, um, I don't know, there's, there's some things that are specific to flying low. There, it's very functional. Um, it's not about shapes. It's about feeling the energy that goes through your body. Um, that, that, I would say, is flying low. And then uh, passing through is you use the vocabulary of flying low, but uh, in a room with more people. And uh, there's a room with infinite possibilities in curves. So in you curves. do in curves, curvas. Ah, yes, yes, in curves, yeah. yeah. So infinite uh, possibilities in curves in this room, in the space and in your body. So that's like the kind of premise of this kind of improvisation. And in the improvisation, there's no phrases. So there's not like a set phrase that everyone does at the same time, but it's a game where you know all the rules. So there's specific rules. Everyone in the room knows the rules and you play with these rules. Mm. Yeah. Can you tell us a tiny bit more about the rules? Like uh, give us two or three or each time they change. So it's kind of like uh, passing through has a codified set of rules. I would say it has a codified set of rules. So uh, there's some things that they they don't fit maybe in the in the passing through improvisation. The same way that maybe you go to a contact impro and there's like a common language there. Mm -hmm. uh, so in passing through, for example, um, there's always curve. So you always go in curve. Your body is in curve, and the pathway that you do is in curve. There's no you never straight, go straight line. Okay. No. Uh, there's also a thing of safety because if you go on a straight line, it's really hard to change uh, someone else uh, and interact with that person if you go in a straight line. So there's also like a kind of a thing there about safety. Um, also, you are always connected with, with the group. So anytime and all the time, you're always connected with the group without forgetting yourself. So there's no moment of like, like internal kind of thing, like maybe more a Gaga class. I'm not an expert on Gaga, but 
what I've uh, experienced is that it's more like internal. It's more about like an internal feeling. Uh, so it's I would a say solo practice through. while passing through yeah. is a common practice. Absolutely, I think it's a common practice. And yeah, I think it's interesting because you are connected with everyone this, that is in that room. Uh, mm -hmm. And well, we are going to talk about that later, but when you are alone in your house, it's like, how do I connect with people that, that is not That was my next question, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's, that's one of the, the things that we are going to explore on the workshop next week. Uh, we are going to do some flying low phrases, so they are set kind of phrases that we gather and send. And then we are going to explore with the passing through, what are the options that it gives us with those rules to experiment them at home. So how can you use the passing through things to improvise at home and being connected with people, not physically, not in the same room, but still connected with everyone and everything around you that mm. I think it's still possible. Mm. Looking forward to see how it translates. We will go back to how we translate practice at home because it's something and I know that Chile right now is going through a very very strict uh, lockdown we will talk that about that later but going back a little bit to th um, passing through I'm something I'm very curious about something that I never ask any passing through flying low practitioner when I used to teach um, workshops my work is also quite physical and we run in and out of the space in order to do the exercises for people just to be aware of the space well many things that we many many teachers have done it yeah. and i can recognize the people who does passing through and flying low because of how they use the hands of running there is kind of like a formatting people don't know if you can see me but it's kind of like you run like that and they do that like that and so this is kind of like this waving with the hands so that's my question, um, and this is a genuine question. How do you think that became a habit that aesthetically is recognizable and therefore it might uh, make difficult for you to jump into other uh, styles? Or it's something that is purely pragmatic and then you can switch it on and off? And I know that the beginning is pragmatic in order for you to lead but it's something not yeah. very functional because otherwise people who are running, like uh, footballers or basketball pl players, they would do that, but they don't. So actually, functionally, yeah. it is not the most functional thing ever in order yeah. to run. So why is that? And why do you think that it stays so much as a part of the aesthetic that is very difficult to take away afterwards? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a really, it's a question that is, uh, it, it's all the time there, I feel, because when I go with, when you go with David to, to like, to, when you take a workshop with him, uh, it's very funny because he always says like, who's your teacher? Who teach you? Uh, because some people, they come already with this thing of like, uh, like, like a position and like, a, like a shape. Uh, so, so my first idea about this is that there is a right and wrong. I think, or a right to the technique and a wrong to the technique. So I can have this as a bad habit. So if I kind of learn this uh, just as a shape, uh, and it's easy to take it just as a shape and not at what it really is, that it's an energy that goes through you and it's the energy that goes through you and it goes to the, to the other side. Um, so I think there is something of that. So that's the first thing that I would say. There is like a, bad habit that is there that is not always right 
uh, and it's hard to take it out then from the body. And Jorge, and Jorge uh, David, he's like the whole workshop struggling with that person who has that habit. Uh, so I'm always scared that my students, one day they will come with that habit and David will be like, who teach you? Who's your teacher? <laughs> uh, yeah, who's your teacher? Uh, that's, that's one thing. Then I think that um, there is an aesthetic, there is an aesthetic from flying low that you can see. So I wouldn't say that, that like flying low has no aesthetic and it's just functional. I think there is one. Um, inevitably, I think it's just because of uh, what the technique... Because this thing of having your hands here is because you are always protecting yourself. So uh, it's related to the passing through as well. So you're always ready to catch someone or to lead someone with your hands. The hands are very, very important in passing through because it comes from salsa also. These hands are very like communicative. So you, you communicate a lot through your hands. Uh, so that's why I think also there's lots of people with the habit in their hands. So there is an aesthetic that is there. I think we cannot say that there's not. Uh, and then I think you can, I think you can switch it on and off. I think I've been in auditions when I, when I feel like, okay, this is not useful for what she wants or for what he wants. So I take it out. Um, I think that's a conscious decision. Uh, of course, there's some things that, I feel personally that it would be better if I run on a straight line. I feel it would be better to have my hands ready in case of emergency. Uh, but if that person asked me to, to, to play with a different aesthetic, I think you should be able to turn it on and off. I don't know if, if that answers a bit. Perfectly. I'm really happy that I, answer, that I asked you that question because it really makes sense and I got a very, very um, thorough explanation. Thank you very much. And something that I really like about your answer is that it brings up this uh, theme about how something that is originated, it, it is, I'm going to say this word, but I want to explain. It is actually contaminated afterwards. So who is your teacher who has not teach you right? So I would like to ask you personally, what do yeah. you think that you've taken from um, passing through and flying low? And what do, you, what do you think is your contribution to flying low and, and passing through? I will explain. In English, you have this, uh, I'm fascinated by this sentence, standing on the shoulders of giants. And David Zambrano yeah. is one of the giants. And Teresa Eikesmaker and Bim Van de Gebus and Merz Cunningham. So us, very small people, for those who are watching us, Gabby and I, we're very small people. Yeah. We are just we are. Yes, we are. We are. <laughs> exactly. We, we own it. Uh, we we stand on the shoulders of giants. David Zambrano is quite small as well, but we, we stand on the shoulders in order to look a tiny bit farther. So I would like to to know what is uh, Gabby's contribution to passing through uh, passing yeah, passing through and fly low and how you yeah. looked a tiny bit farther. So the first thing that, so what, what I take from the technique first, um, it's the sense of presence. I think it has flying low. It, it makes you, you have to be there all the time and passing through like even more. The moment you forget about yourself or you forget about the room, you crash and there's an accident. So there is a responsibility of being there, not just for you, but for the people around. So that was the thing that it really, really kind of, uh, 
I take from the technique and why it helps me and why I think it's important to kind of share it with others. And when you do a passing through you, it's almost like you are like so high and then it's like, because it really goes like in, in a flow. So more a flow, the presence. So that's the thing I took. Uh, that's the thing I really liked. And what I put on that, on my classes and on my workshop, and I think this, I didn't find this until I arrived to Chile. And, uh, and I start questioning about like, because I was like, okay, why am I teaching this technique? Like, why am I not teaching something else? Uh, am I ready to do this? Like, I don't know. I think when you, when you start teaching, you wonder a lot about if, if the, the material is, is worth sharing it really. So that's when I standing on these shoulders of David Zambrano, um, I think what I put from like from myself on the technique first is a way of teaching it. So I'm really horizontal. I'm not the teacher and the students are like somewhere like down there uh, learning. That is something unfortunately still there in the dance world, at least in Chile. So I think that's one of the things I transmit with the technique that we are all the same, that I'm just leading the class, but we are all kind of putting ourselves there. Um, also, I'm very kind of, okay, there is a language, but we all know something that the person next to you doesn't know. Mm -hmm. So I'm very, always when I teach flying law, I want to arrive to people from circles, from theater, from dance, people who does nothing related with like any physical and nurses. Like, I believe that everyone can bring whatever they are in their lives to the class and to flying low and passing through. Um, yeah. So. I think there's a philosophy behind that I, I, I really I put in the technique where I teach and I try to transmit my philosophy through the technique. Um, I don't know, the same with the, the sense of community. Like sometimes you find a community that is really close and really like elitist. And um, I really, when I do a class, I encourage this like healthy kind of community that is open to whatever is, is a permeable, do you say permeability that it yeah. allows you to people to go in and to go out and don't stay like close. Um, so yeah, I think that's what I've added somehow to the technique. I add uh, um, a way of conceiving like relationships, human relationships, um, not just in the room and not just in the dance world, but also like outside so that people can can take these things and take it out and like practice it out, you know? Um, yeah. Thank you very much for the answer. It really, really makes sense. So I'm really looking forward to your classes next week, just to see how you bring that, uh, that amazing knowledge from David Zambrano into our house. And I know that before we were talking about uh, how passing through can be experienced by yourself, uh, which when normally it's a group, um, it's a group practice. Can you tell us a tiny bit more about how you plan to do that translation? If with the passing through. Yes. So when you do passing through, you like the, the kind of the, the basics is that there's an energy that it goes through you it goes through your body and it goes out, yeah? So I can take that energy, the energy goes through you and go out to the body. When you're in a room with other people, that energy goes through you, through the space, through other people, and then it goes back to you and to others. So there's a passing through energy. 
I can do that passing through energy, not just in a room with other people, but with a, even when I take like a cup. Uh, so what I want to explore in the classes is how can this passing through of energy can allow us to move in different ways, uh, improvising. So not with set material, but improvising. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you very much. Looking forward to that. And I would like to finish a little bit um, with a big question. We are in a moment that there is lots of changes. Uh, in Chile, there is a huge lockdown. Uh, definitely, this is going to mark a before and after in our personal lives. I'm sure in our professional lives as well, the pandemic. But the pandemic is only, I think, the, the tip of the iceberg, right? Uh, in the 21st century, everything is is changing really, really quickly. So my question for you would be, what is the role of dance uh, in general, not only focusing on uh, flying law, or if you want to focus a bit on flying law, but what would be for you your ideal scenario and the role that you would like to build in the future for dance um, in the world to be once uh, we continue in this situation or or what is the, the change that you are dreaming that dance can experience in this moment? Yeah. Well, I think like lots of the training that you yourself, you are giving me comes to mind. Like the trainer training for Tours Vivencia has some of those answers. So explain myself. I might be saying things that you are saying, <laughs> if, if you know what I mean. Um, but in these pandemics, like, I found that there's some skills that I have as a dancer that has allowed me to live through the pandemic. Um, and I think those skills are like really simple things, like getting up in the morning and do your class and like uh, being with other people, how important is the community, like this sense of community. So there are things that because I'm a dancer, I have them. Other people can have it too, and they are not, not dancers, but I think these things have helped me. And in that way, I think there are also other people who are in like in this pandemic situation that they don't have those skills. I, it could be useful for them. So I think now like the role of dance is to realize that dance is not just for dancers. Like dance is not just for going in the theater, have a performance. Like dance is to, I don't know, like, make people understand their own bodies, make people understand uh, the, the, the world around them. Uh, so I think our duty is to take out dance from the studio, to take out dance from the theater, even to public spaces. Like now that we, because we were locked down and then we have like a little time of freedom and then we want to lock down again. And there were so many things happening on public space. And like, I wonder, like, is it time for dance to really take that public space and do something there and meet people in public space instead of, like, still going to the theater? The theater is great, but maybe we have to, like, start to own some other places. Even, like, I don't know, I was talking with a friend and she was telling me, we should do this class on a gym. And I was like, a gym? Like, this is so, like, no inspiring. And she told me, yeah, but... We have to take those spaces why there can be like good quality dance on a gym. So what I mean with that is that I think as dancers in this pandemic, we need to realize that we need to go out, go out from the dance and, and share it with more people, not just as audience, but also like on, on, on another level. 
because we have this relationship with like, okay, with dancers, we do dance with the rest of the world. They are the audience of my dance. But what about if we like change those relationships? Like, okay, they are not uh, students in my class, but they, they, I can share those abilities with a nurse or with a person who works in, um, I don't know, architecture. Like, how can we talk with other people from other professions and this multidisciplinar, multidisciplinar, uh, multidiscipline that is very like, we've been hurting this multidisciplinary since a long time, but do we really know what that is? Like, it's more than making a project, an artist, a musician, and a person with visual art. Like, I think multidisciplinary is more than that, that we need to keep exploring that. Yes, and, and I believe that the benefits are gonna be also multi-layered because theaters are very expensive to maintain dance studios are very expensive to maintain. So when we bring dance to the, um, to the street, we realize that we are democratizing the, um, the use of dance because we don't have to maintain facilities, which of course it comes also with a security thing. We have a studios with good floor in order to have that security. But if we adapt our practice, there is something that we also do not depend of someone else taking the decision that yes, you're gonna be teaching here. Yes, you're gonna be performing here because we take those decisions and also financially for us we are expanding our market uh, someone who is done, uh, doing uh, who is doing it really really well is uh, gaga gaga technique they have the gaga dancers and the gaga people and they're rich i mean i got a little bit upset i have to say last year when we were all struggling and then i realized that they raised almost one hundred thousand dollars in a month of uh, giving classes and through donation and it's like, well, an institution that does have money already doesn't need that money and freelancers. I mean, this is a huge discussion, but when we are, when we realize that we can take part of that financial market, our stability as dancers will increase, while at the same time, we are not exploiting like other companies. We are not exploiting the forest in order to make money. Actually, we are giving something very human. So actually, it works really, really well. So. I very much agree with you that I think the future of dance is uh, is expanding and it's our duty yeah. to pass that to others. Yeah, and I think like even like, I don't know, like studios closing, so many spaces they are closing, theaters closing, uh, like it's really sad and it's like a really horrible situation for everyone that works in theater and studios, but also make us wonder like, do we really depend on that to have a, a like a financial kind of um, life? So yeah, I think in this moment of crisis, it also makes you like realize about like what things could be be done like differently somehow. Exactly, and uh, we of course we are not trying to minimize the huge drama and the huge impact yeah. that this situation is having, which is very difficult, but beside that it's very difficult let's take the opportunity to start working just not even to start thinking but let's start working yeah. on what could be that future so we are really happy that you are being part of that future uh doing the classes in the academy next week because i strongly believe that one of the ideas as well is to destroy those barriers for people who were in egypt or in Chile, and they didn't have access to certain styles of dance or certain teachers, or you will be able to teach people in Singapore next week. And uh, so thank you very much for being part of that democratization, this accessibility to make dance 
um, globally accessible at the highest possible quality. No, it's great. I think it's, I don't know, like the first time I did something long distance was with you. The first time I did towards Vivencia edition and it was something really strange. Like I was telling to people and they were like, how do you do that? Like a long distance course. And now it's like so like, I don't know, so natural with the time. Like, uh, so yeah, I think there is, there is, there's no, it's not about comparing. So it's not about saying this class like on live is better than the one like Zoom, but it's a different experience. And I think it's really, really valuable. Uh, so I'm looking forward to, to see that, to experience that, to share it with people, to be together. I think that's what we more need now in these days. So yeah, definitely. And I think what you said is very important as well to remember that the Zoom classes or the distant classes is not a substitution of what we have in person. It's just another completely different thing. It's like going to the cinema to watch a Hollywood film or going to the theater to see a very good uh, theater piece. Both things are, they have of course commonalities, but they are very different experiences. And in this case, uh, it's the same. So we are trying to it's a very exciting moment because we are trying to create what is the other thing of doing this with a screen behind. So once again, Gabby, thank you so much for saying yes for next week. Thank you very much for this time yeah, of really you. good discussion. And I'm really looking forward to see everyone. We have also an offer for people who are based in South America. Yes. So get in contact because the classes, you have a, a weekly package to take classes with Gabby in order to honor. Yeah that this is from Chile and um, and we we have those differences. We celebrate those differences. Yes, for sure. Yeah, thank you so much, Jorge, like again, and let's experiment. Let's see what happens. Let's play. Brilliant. Lots of love, Gabi. Thank you for today. Lots of love. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye.